This talk is entitled, Living the Martyrdom of the Heart Through the Ordinary and Hidden Life, given by Mrs. Lourdes Pinto at the Renyon Christie Retreat in January of 2014. My second reflection I'd like to share with you is the ordinary and hidden life and how we enter the martyrdom of love through our ordinary hidden life. It is precisely in our daily hidden lives that we are given the opportunity to live the hidden martyrdom of love united to Jesus and Mary. We make every one of our acts, including our daily chores, into acts of love united to Jesus. In the book of Conchita's diary, it says, Pure love is a far greater apostolic fecundity than the most outstanding works accomplished with less than love. It is at the eve of life in silence and isolation, in prayer and in sacrifice, that God's mother attains her maximum of love and her fullness of apostolic fecundity in the service of the Church of Christ, just as Christ himself did not save the world in the luster of his word or of his miracles, but on the cross. The Holy Spirit wants to unite our ordinary daily hidden lives with the crucified love of Jesus. In this way, we participate in Jesus' power to love and love for those who do not love. We become the hidden force that has the power to transform hearts and nations and pierce all darkness. What I feel like I really want to do, which is what Father Ron was telling me, is give you examples so it can really come to life for you. I'm going to begin with an example of a sister of our community now that the Lord has brought. Very special. She lives in the Middle East. She's Catholic. She's a young mother of three children. And she's given me permission to share some of her testimony with you. She writes, I will give some details of my life here. Women have to wear the traditional Muslim abaya, black tunic, everywhere outside the house. Women can't go anywhere alone. So I can go out only when my husband takes me out. Hence, for anything, I have to depend on him. At first, I used to find these situations stifling. But now the Lord has taught me to offer the troubles of such a life for the contemplative priests who live in monasteries shut up from the outside world and for the Middle East. I used to really worry that I don't get enough time for silence and prayer. Here, the kids have to reach school at 6 o'clock in the morning. Hence, however hard I try, I can't get much time in the mornings. The Holy Spirit is guiding me because of your prayers for me to make use of the most trivial situations as a time of prayer. I would like to share with you some of them. As I begin my work in the kitchen by lighting the stove, I would say to the Lord, 
Lord, ignite the hearts of your priest with love for you so that they may kindle the same fire in the hearts of all souls entrusted to them. While bathing the children, Lord, cleanse the hearts of all your beloved priests from all affections to worldly things. While cleaning the house messed up by the kids, to offer it for the priest to spend hours in the confessional to clean our souls and so on. And thus, the Spirit of God helps me to be in the presence of our Lord throughout the day and makes my daily burdens really light. Here you see the Lord asked her specifically to be a victim of love for the priesthood. The amazing thing is that the hidden force, you see, she's being the hidden force in her home. But the hidden force also is an entire community. So, for example, when each of you begin to live individually the hidden force, and you begin to live it as the women of Regnum Christi, your community here of Regnum Christi takes on greater power as the hidden force. So what the Lord was showing us is why. Why did he bring into our little community of love crucified this beautiful soul? Because now the Lord has brought her to be part of our community. She is part of the family of love crucified. Her hidden force is united to our hidden force. And now our entire community of love crucified, the little ones, enter the Middle East. And we, living the hidden force, united to Christ, takes on the dimension of God. And so our hidden force in the daily chores of our life like hers is actually God using to touch souls and hearts and pierce darkness in the Middle East. Isn't this amazing? Now, one of the things, I think I'm just going to forget my notes here, that I've been speaking to many of you, I've had the honor in the past few years to spend and speak to many women, which I consider now my dear sisters in Christ. And I find the same thing over and over. How to transform our sufferings to truly become the hidden force of God. How does this work in each of our daily lives? Well, you see an exact sample of this young woman. I'm going to give you another example. This is a testimony of a woman in our community. This is how she dug deep, how she entered some of her deepest wounds, how it was affecting her life, her personality, and how the Lord brings her to healing and how she becomes a victim of love specifically for the wound that she was suffering from. She writes, It all began many months ago. One morning I woke up and immediately I heard the Lord clearly tell me, Dear child of my heart, today I want you to enter into the deepest recesses of your soul. The words were so clear. At first I wondered what he meant. Recesses of your soul sounded negative to me. So I went to the dictionary because I wanted to know every single meaning of the word. To make a long story short, I learned of five different meanings. 
The first one was to step back or set back, as in to recollect, to find silence. The second was a hidden, secret, or secluded place to enter that deepest part of my soul that is hidden in me. The third was an area where light does not shine, which is my sin, part of my soul that is hidden in me. I'm sorry. If there is sin, there is no light, and Jesus is the light. The fourth meaning was thoughts and, of, or feelings that we are not aware of. These feelings or thoughts are my wounds, wounds inflicted in my soul. This is important. The fifth was rest or relaxation, which means to rest in Him. Several months later, I had been begging the Lord for self-knowledge. I remember going to bed after having listened to a cynical for the second or third time and asking our mother to please show me if there was anything in me that needed to come to the light. That night, I had another dream, a disturbing dream with my uncle. I dreamt that we were without clothes, and he said, let's go. I said, no, without fear nor concern. When I woke up, I immediately asked Our Lady what it meant, as it had left me uneasy. Our mother immediately took me back to my childhood and showed me the many times that my uncle and father would make fun of my rear. They would make comments about my size. They would also stroke me, although never in a malicious way. This sort of thing is very typical of Hispanics, and not just Hispanics, I should say. As our mother showed me all this, I felt that I had been violated. I felt naked, and immediately I understood. From that morning on, Jesus and Mary both began to reveal to me the many times that this similar type of occurrence happened in my life, over and over. It was a violation to my person that might seem insignificant to society, but it's not. There were the many times at school and parties when boys would tap me on the rear. There was the time that I was waiting for the bus and a man exposed himself. Another time our neighbor, who was a teenage boy, sat me on his lap and began to play horsey. The most disturbing time was when an older man, also a neighbor, took me into his bedroom, positioned me between his legs, began to touch my chest, and looked down my shorts. His wife walked in, and he immediately released me. I have been disrespected. I have been violated. I have been molested. These violations created in me insecurities, anxieties, fears, low self-esteem, and many other disorders. So, the Lord began to remove veils from my eyes, and I began to see how these were wounds. I have not known how to deal with these wounds nor what to do with them except to suppress them in the deepest recesses of my soul. All this time I have been acting through my wounds, looking for ways to heal them and falling into sin in the process. The anxieties, fears, etc. would not allow me to live in peace. They paralyzed me. They would not allow me to grow and mature into an emotionally healthy person. 
I created walls and defense mechanisms in order to find some sort of peace and order. This is what happens when there are situations, traumas, or even less significant things that happen to us throughout our lives that create wounds and we don't know what to do with it all. Once the Lord brought these memories into my conscience, I was then able to suffer all of it with our Lord Jesus in a way I never knew before. I was able to name the situation and give it to our Lord on the altar at Mass, cover it with the blood of Jesus, offer it to the Father together with the suffering of Jesus as one sacrifice for the priesthood and the salvation of all. Little by little, or actually pretty quickly, the Lord lifted this weight from me. All I can say is that I can breathe. In fact, a friend called me months after to share a dream she had with me, which was actually a con confirmation of what he had done in me. She dreamt that I was dancing as if I, as, as if I were carefree and happy. That is exactly how I feel these days. I feel delivered. The most amazing thing is that this healing was a great gift for me, but also for my brothers and sisters. I feel as if this veil the Lord removed from my eyes allows me to see the wounds in others as well. I am now able to help others with their wounds. When we root out sin, we make room in our hearts to be filled with the life of God. Christ himself fills the emptiness which we initially feared. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, might ha that they may have life and have it abundantly. So this is what happens to all of us. Now, I'll give you another example. Rejection. Many of us have wounds of being rejected by our mothers, by our fathers, and these rejections, a wound of rejection goes deep. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring these wounds to the light, the same thing happens as this, this woman. We have disorders that we're not even aware of that keep us bound. It's what keeps us from loving and living in the Holy Spirit. So how does it work? We have to go back and we have to feel again the way she did. How was it when I was being rejected by my mother? When we were being rejected as a child, this is one example. It, it, you relate the same thing to, to everything. Jesus was suffering with us, as Father Jordy told you. He was there with him, except we didn't know it probably. Now, when you go there, and now you give it to the Lord. How do we give it to the Lord? Well, Jesus suffers and continues to suffer the sin of rejection. You must and I must enter the pain of rejection. When a mother rejected you, when a father never looked at you, when you don't remember a mother or a father hugging you, you enter that rejection. 
and you look at Jesus, and now you go through Jesus' life, do you realize what our Lord felt like when he entered his hometown? And those that he grew up with rejected him, and he could hardly perform any miracles in his hometown? Have you ever entered in that Bible passage what was taking place in the heart of Jesus and Mary? What they were feeling, the pain of rejection? Have you ever contemplated how many times his apostles, his inner circle, his closest friends rejected him? What the Lord suffered a rejection when Judas kissed him? The betrayal with a kiss? Have you ever pondered the heart of our Lord when he looks down from the cross? After he poured his blood out, he healed so many, he gave of his love to so many, and there's a handful at the foot of the cross, and none of his apostles except for one? Do you realize, my sisters, that Jesus continues to cry in the Eucharist? He cries in the Eucharist. Jesus continues to be rejected constantly. And he is very much rejected by those he loves so much, which are his priests. When we enter our rejection, it becomes the pearl. Why? Because how can we enter the suffering of the Sacred Heart and come to know his rejection, what he suffered in the way? When we come to know his suffering, we touch, we embrace, we taste his love. Our rejection is the means to draw us out of our wound into his wound. That's how we live. My wounds will heal you. That's how we live the act of St. Thomas. When he touches the wounds of Jesus, St. Thomas is healed. How do we touch the wounds of Jesus? By allowing our wound of rejection, our wound of being molested, to touch the wound of Jesus. He brings us out of ourselves into him. Then, you know what happens? He goes healing us. Every wound we have, this is why Satan tries so hard to keep us bound in our wounds. Because as long as we're living in our wounds, we are in bondage. What happens in our wounds is we are not able to receive the love of God and we're not able to fully love. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit, part of the work of healing our femininity, so each one of us can become the women of the kingdom, the new Eves, in the full force of our femininity for the church, we have to go through this process. Then you know what happens? Every wound that is healed becomes the wound of divine mercy for others. You see the photo, the beautiful painting of the Lord of Divine Mercy, blood and water flowing from his wound? That's what happens to us. Therefore, when my wound of rejection is healed by touching the wound of Jesus, I become a source of healing 
for souls that are rejected. If I was sexually molested or abused and I give that wound to the Lord and He heals it, that wound becomes grace for all the children, all the women that are being abused. That is specifically my calling in life to be a martyr and a victim of love. It is amazing. If I or anybody was abused by a spouse, when that is healed, not only do we become a living chalice of healing for that spouse and our children, but what happens is even greater because God is infinite. When you enter union with the crucified, our hearts expand in love. Therefore, we become the grace flows from us, then not only for the spouse that abused us, but for all spouses that are abusing. It is amazing. This is the power of the hidden force. This is the power of victim love. This is what the Lord is raising up in the church because it is this force and this power that's going to defeat evil. Only love can pierce darkness and evil. The love of Jesus crucified, the love of the cross. That Satan will do everything to keep each of us from this healing and from being united to Jesus so that our lives take on the power, the full power of love. This is what the Lord is raising up, my sisters. This is the only thing that will, with Jesus, pierce the darkness that is consuming the world. This is the holy remnant that the Lord is raising up. The ordinary is so important. The Lord taught us Let me give you another testimony. Someone wrote in our community, I feel my Lord's presence in my soul. He is holding his chalice. His tears of sorrow for our brokenness fall one by one into his chalice. He thirsts for my companionship. His gaze invites me to remain with him and just to be with him. I remain next to him with him as he cries God's tears of sorrow for each of us. I am not called to do, but just to be with him, to accompany him in his sorrows. Through the grace of God, my soul is living in the hidden life. The world does not understand the hidden life. It is God who does, who suffers, who redeems. But I enter and live within the words of the Mass, through him, with him, and in him. This hidden life is not a state of inactivity, but of great activity. It's participation in the activity of God himself. I am accompanying my Lord who suffers for all. This is peace, and the fruit of this peace is joy. The Lord thirsts, my sisters, for companions. When you suffer, 
Don't you desire to have someone suffer with you? I would say one of the greatest sufferings I find in women is the suffering of not fully feeling their spouses able to enter into their hearts and suffer with them. I feel that in most women there is a hidden, hidden suffering. I would say in almost all women who are growing spiritually and whose husbands aren't live a certain solitude and interior sorrow and suffering. That's really not spoken about. When we learn to live in this suffering, especially with our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Sufferings of Solitude, that continue to shower graces upon the world, that solitude that we live in our own hearts can become immense grace for the Church, for our families. The Lord desires, He thirsts for companions, to suffer with him. The Lord desires that. We, if we allow it, the Lord will make us his living chalices where we can be with him and say, my beloved, I, I will receive your tears and I will accompany you in your sorrows, my Jesus. This is consolation. When we say, Oh, I want to console the heart of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? I am telling you what it means. When your wound of rejection and abandonment is healed, do you know that's what she was saying in this testimony? The Lord makes you very sensitive. He is going to reveal to you His suffering of rejection from many others. And you will begin to receive the wounds of others into your heart and suffer them with the Lord. This is intimacy, my sisters, with God. This is the closest and most intimate relationship we can have here on earth with Jesus. It's amazing. The Lord taught us, it is perseverance and living the ordinary of your state in life in love for me that you are perfected in many virtues. The ordinary duties of motherhood have been greatly attacked by Satan because they are so pleasing to the Father. And when lived in my crucified love as Mary did, possessed the power of God to aid in the sanctification and salvation of many souls. This is why your formation began in the most ordinary of your state in life as a mother. The Lord began years ago to form me giving me an awareness of the gentle touch, how I touch my children, the power of a kiss, the power of making chocolate milk. Did I share with you last year the power of the chocolate milk? Because that changed my life, I have to say. It was so amazing. Because I, you know, and I still do think so much like the world where we think we have to do like really great things. And the Lord wants to make us small. This is how he brings us to truly be living host. I'll get into that later. But it was so amazing. When I thought I had done something great things, I was he heading the, the homeschooling association and I would spend hours 
helping form and teach other women how to teach their children. And one day in the Blessed Sacrament, I felt the Lord ask me in my heart, what do you think was the most pleasing thing that you did yesterday for me? And I immediately thought like the world, oh, it has to be when I spent two hours with that woman in my house helping her. And the Lord said to me, no. What your act the day before that pleased God the most was at the end of your day when you made chocolate milk for your children. I had forgotten. How many things do we just do? You know, ordinary, make milk, go on with life. I didn't remember I made chocolate milk, but the Lord brought me. And I did. I had all the glasses of my children lined up on the counter, and I was making the milk. But I received a grace that night that when I was making the chocolate milk, I was living in the moment, which is hard for me. Because we tend to be in the past or constantly thinking ahead into the future. I fall into this all the time. But at that moment, I received a grace. I was in the moment. And because I was in the moment, like this woman I wrote to you, read to you about, each glass represented one of the hearts of my children. And as I, as I stirred the milk, I was praying from the depths of my heart for each one. It was so ordinary, so simple, but filled with love. And that act pleased God the most. Wow. The ordinary. When we live the ordinary, we live more in the moment. We encounter Jesus in the moment. We encounter eternity in the moment. It is here, living the details of the most ordinary, that you began to grow in greater love. Living the details of the ordinary became your prayer of blessing and honor to your God. It is in the most ordinary and hidden life that a soul encounters the face of God. I disguise myself in what the world sees as tedious. That is why all the mothers of the cross have begun to encounter me in the laundry, cleaning, cooking, nursing, and on and on. The tasks of ordinary motherhood are precious to the Father because they are the heartbeat of the domestic church. Now you know why Satan has done so much to attack motherhood. Through the restoration of motherhood, I will strengthen the domestic church, aid in the healing of fatherhood, and bring restoration to my universal church. The Lord taught us, it is my hidden martyrs of love in perfect union with the queen of martyrs that will raise up my apostles of light. Know that I have taken my abode in each of your hearts. Therefore, radiate the humility and purity of my mother. Do not grow weary in your hidden life of suffering all with me, for you are my holy remnant that God the Father will use to purify my church and pierce the darkness penetrating her. Therefore, go forth, my daughters, as my holy warriors with Mary, to seize the dragon and cast them into hell. This completely goes in line with Cardinal Ratzinger's words, from the suffering of the witnesses there comes a purifying and renewing power, because their suffering is the actualization of the suffering of Christ himself in a, communi in a communication in the here and now of its saving effect.
Another testimony. Someone wrote to me. I would also like to share with you certain problems in my life and request your prayers. I prefer to call them, look at the transformation of this woman for her to say this. I prefer to call them encounters with the Lord rather than problems. Boy, did that one sentence teach me a lot. Let's begin to look at all the problems and trials we have as encounters with the Lord. My husband from the beginning of our married life didn't like to spend time with me. He is a very good person and totally unaware that I'm hurt by this behavior. He is very much concerned about his official matters and his rest, that he remains very much aloof, both mentally and physically. I used to crave in my heart for his love and attention. When I turned to our Lord with this pain, he revealed to me that these things of rejection are the moments he calls me to converse with him alone, reclining to his sacred heart, feeling the heat of his love, also, I had a dream. I saw myself seated at a table with a tall cup like a chalice in front of me. I saw a tall figure with long hair that touched my face. Take the cup and drink it. I got a feeling in my heart that I should drink this cup of rejection to the dregs, and he would help me do it. And to this day, I've been suffering this feeling of being neglected and abandoned for priests who face temptations. Long before knowing anything about victimhood, at the age of 19, during adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, I would ask Jesus to place the thorns that wounds his heart into mine and would offer flowers instead. I used to be set ablaze with love for him, but my soul, being so imperfect, had to be molded in the furnace of his love, and it's still in the process of purification with the fire of suffering in one form or the other. I thought I was reading St. Therese of the Little Flower when I was reading her testimony. It's so beautiful. She speaks about something very beautiful here. The thorns. The thorns are very important. Actually, I brought a visual for you. I'm always a teacher at heart. Reading, I was just in Georgia about how new wine has to be put in new wineskins. Well, I had to get one of these to see how this works. And I thought the Lord has a beautiful lesson for me here. So this came thanks to Father Jordy who ordered it for me. And I thought, when the the leather is soft. I filled it with my husband with water, and I was surprised at how this thing so flat expands. And yet, when leather is hardened, it doesn't expand, it cracks. Therefore, our hearts have to go through a process to become soft, pliable, docile. We hear very much the word docile. It's actually a very important word. Because we cannot fully abandon ourselves to the Holy Spirit if our hearts are not docile. Our hearts cannot expand like the leather to let our God, to bring us to greater love 
if they're not docile. So how do our hearts become docile? It's a process of transformation and purification. All of our hearts, because of sin and wounds, are hardened. And therefore, our hearts have to become soft and docile. The greatest means of this is by receiving the thorns, believe it or not. It is the greatest means. Sometimes, you know, they get the leather and they bang it to make it soft. Our hearts are so hard and they have to be bang. That's the gift of suffering. Suffering purifies our hearts and makes them soft. If we, the more we suffer with the Lord, actually, the greater the purification of our hearts. But it is important, the thorns, because the Lord permits in the process of union with him to receive his thorns to pierce our hearts. Every thorn is a suffering, a trial, an exhaustion. When we become more and more docile, we allow, like Mary, our hearts to be pierced and wear the crown of thorns. The thorns prepares our hearts, my sister, to enter the purification in the sacred heart, to make us one with God. Therefore, the thorns become a great means of bringing us actually to union with God. So whenever you receive a suffering, embrace it. I receive this thorn. That's how Mary lived her life. Mary lived... That's why we always see the heart of Mary with the thorns inside because she lived the hidden martyrdom of the heart. And what did Mary, what does St. Therese tell us? What did she give away? St. Therese did the same thing. St. Therese receives the thorns and gives away the roses and says she will spend all heaven showering roses upon us. It's the same thing for us. As sisters in Christ, as a community of Regnum Christi, you must help each other. True sisterhood is help each other, encourage each other to receive the thorns. Encourage each other to suffer with, not offer up. Suffer with. The other thing I'd like to talk to you about a minute is the power of tears. Jesus cried. In John eleven twenty eight to 37, it talks about when Jesus approached, was approached by Mary, the sister of Lazarus. They were all weeping. And it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus wept. In Hebrews 5, 7, it says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard from his godly fear. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Part of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tears. I'm amazed at how many people tell me they're asking for the gift of tears because they can't seem to cry. What happens is when we've been hurt, 
we put this guard in our hearts. It's like a wall because we don't want to get hurt again. And many times we don't even cry. That wall has to come crumbling down. And the gift of tears is really important. That's why many times in places of apparitions and in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will see tears. The first time I went to Mejigori, it was amazing. I entered the church. As the minute I walked into the church, I started to cry. I couldn't stop crying. Cry and cry and cry. Later I found out it was a gift, gift of purification. Last year in Rome, with your sisters, the consecrated women in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the women, when she was baptized in the Spirit, started to cry. She must have been crying for like an hour. We were amazed. And then, after the tears, came laughter. And she started just laughing and laughing. But it was, she, afterwards, she was like a new person. Those tears was, those walls, that tension, everything she was, came crumbling down. It was a purification. It was a healing. Tears are a gift also to unite to the Lord. When we suffer, don't hold back the tears, my sister. You know what you do with your tears? The tears, a mother's tears are powerful. God will not refuse us anything when we present our tears to him, united with the blood of Jesus. At every Mass, unite your tears, my sister, your tears of sorrow, your tears of pain. Unite them in the chalice of the precious blood of your beloved. And you give it to Abba through the hands of Mary. And you say, Abba, my Father, I give you my tears, which is the sorrows of my heart, united to the blood of your Son. Pour this union of my tears and the blood of Jesus in the heart of my spouse, in the heart of my children, in the church, in the entire legion. This is how I've been praying every day for the general chapter. My Lord, the general chapter is so important. Our legionnaire priest, pour my sorrows, pour my tears, united to the blood of Jesus over the general chapter, bringing healing to all those priests, allowing the Holy Spirit to come alive, to take charge. And receive the tears of our Lord. Part of the restoration of men and women is the ability to cry again. Men have to receive this also. It's really hard for them because they've been taught to be men. You don't cry. And yet, so they've learned to, to, to block themselves. It's very hard many times for men to go into, into deep intimacy because those deeper feelings is very hard for them. Many times women suffer a lot and are frustrated because they want the men in their lives to enter this intimacy that women in our hearts have. So when you don't feel that you can have this intimacy, let's say even with your own spouse, what do you do? 
The Lord wants you to have that intimacy with Him. The Lord will bring you to the most incredible intimacy with Him. And then, when you enter the intimacy of true love with Jesus, you will have much greater love to pour into the hearts of your husbands. You will be able to love in the most difficult situations. I will end sharing one more teaching the Lord gave us. This is the power of spiritual motherhood. These spiritual mothers will live the tears and sorrows of their hearts, united as one with my mother of sorrows. It is my mother's sorrows that continue to shower grace upon the world, and as, as my spiritual mothers unite as one with my mother, the shower, will, the shower will become a living torrent of grace. Therefore, each spiritual mother must be perfected in living her hidden ordinary life with all its trials, sorrows, exhaustion, with pure love. And in this way she will find her joy the joy of knowing that she is participating in the hidden sorrows of my mother for the salvation of many souls. Allow my mother to form each of you, my daughters. It is Rosa Mystica that wants to form your gentle hearts. Mary reveals the sorrows of her pierced heart that continue to remain hidden and the roses of prayer, sacrifice, and penance. You must imitate Mary in this way. Your lives will become the sweet fragrance of prayer and your sacrifices and penances will be lived in the most ordinary of your duties as women. Your lives as my victims of love will go unnoticed by the world but seen by the eyes of the Father. He will use your hidden lives of love to humble the proud. Know that you are my consolation. What is Rosa Mística, if you don't know? It's our Blessed Mother that maybe you've seen has three roses on her chest, a red, a white, and a gold. First, she showed three swords piercing, but what's visible to the people are only the roses, but what's inside each rose is a sword. And she said, the first sword is for lost vocations. The second sword is lost grace. And the third sword is lost faith. Then she said, the white rose is the rose of prayer. The red rose is the rose of sacrifice. And the gold rose is the rose of penance. And then she gave a definition for penance, and she said, Acceptance of the little daily crosses, and also doing one's work in the spirit of penitence. That's what you heard in that testimony. Doing one's daily work 
the moment in that spirit of love, sacrifice, giving to the Lord. So I thank you, my sisters. I leave you with these thoughts. We thank our Lord for this moment of grace to be together. I especially thank the Lord in a special way for each of you. I can't tell you, those of you that have shared with me, how much you have blessed me. I know that I'm receiving a lot more from you than I possibly can give to you. But I know, I just feel my heart that your testimonies, the beauty of your hearts, the beauty of each of you that have shared with me, your witness of love, of suffering for love, of your love of God is so immense that it has really pierced my heart. So I thank you. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.